If you like what you're hearing on the phillytech.org netcast network, please consider supporting the network with a small monthly donation via patreon.com slash phillytechorg. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash p-h-i-l-l-y-t-e-c-h-o-r-g. And thank you in advance. You're listening to the Social Media Addicts Podcast on the phillytech.org netcast network. Sponsorship provided by Get Flywheel, optimized WordPress hosting at getflywheel.com, wistia.com at w-i-s-t-i-a.com, and Zoho Mail. And welcome to another edition of the Social Media Addicts Podcast. I'm Seth. Um, that's Howard. I'm that's sure me. What... Or that's yeah. me. One of the, or the other is Howard. Delete as required. One of them is me. One of them is Howard. Um, and Howard has a nice backdrop up today because he's busy working behind the backdrop on some video and photo stuff. So he didn't want to distract us. Yes, behind this little this little sheet is a total mess. So let's just simplify today. Yeah, see, I left, I left my mess out for you guys. But I angled my camera special so that you wouldn't see all of it over here. So anyhow, um, if you want to support the show and support this craziness that we call a show, go to patreon.com slash fullytechorg. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash fullytechorg. Who are our sponsors this week, Howard? Our sponsors this week are Wistia, same as they are, same as they are every week. Brain, sorry, um, don't you remember Pinky and the Brain? All right, our sponsors the pinky, this week. The pinky, the pinky, and the brain, 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 brain. brain. Um, our sponsors this week are Wistia, Flywheel, and Zoho Mail, and you'll learn more about them as the show goes on, and we read our stellar ad copy that we like to play with as we go. As we go, we like to add a little bit here. But yes. we love them, and we thank them for their support. Absolutely. So. I'm even wearing my Wistia shirt today. Ooh. How come Ooh. I don't have Wistia swag? Uh, I can I'll hook you up. Okay. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> yeah, that is where we went some more Wistia stuff. <laughs> uh, I also have a Flywheel shirt. I don't have a Zoho shirt, though. I should get one of them. Well, you know, let's just put it this way. If I bring home another T-shirt, my wife will say, like, you need 40 instead of 50? Like, <laughs> yeah, I need 50 instead of 40? Yeah, exactly. I have so many T-shirts from so many different things. I don't need – I would rather a sticker that I can put on my, uh, on my lens case. There you yeah, go. Nice little pelican. All right, so, so Facebook Messenger yes. for business. And apparently F-commerce is a thing now. Well. But, I mean, Facebook Messenger for business, I mean, Really? It's in, I'm intrigued by the whole thought of Facebook Messenger, and you know I like using it. I I do 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 I do do business over Facebook Messenger, but it's I don't know how I feel about using Facebook in general for business applications, and then then also buying stuff through Messenger. I I don't know. What do you think? Well, Alan? I personally am not someone that would buy through a tweet, through a pin. I like to actually go to the store, do all those things. So I don't necessarily think I'm the user for that, but I'm, I, I think I'm an edge case for that. Where I see this e-commerce using Messenger as a platform, I think it's going to be really good for the merchants because now Absolutely. their access to customer support is already there. 
Uh, if you think about a traditional purchase, someone purchases something at a retail store somewhere else, and then they go back to the manufacturer who really has no idea who you are. So, you know, you look to them to resolve your problem, and the first thing they say to you is, who are you, and prove that you bought something. Exactly. And that's not really – so it, when, I, when I buy something, I don't think to myself, geez, this thing that isn't working, I better be really nice to the manufacturer because their product that broke that they'll probably fix for me, I don't want to you know, give them all my information. So if they can get that process a little bit uh, you know, smoother, have that access to customer support, um, I'm actually expecting more and more uh, product registration to start doing things like tying into your social network to say, hey, look, if you let us access your social network, just all you have to do is, get, is tie it into your Facebook account or your Twitter or your Google account and just give us the serial number and that would be great. What would be even better yeah. is, and this is the kind of thing where through an app like Facebook Messenger, they could build in, take a picture of your serial number. Because then we have mm -hmm. the, it's you, you post it to us, and we'll do all the other hard part, like OCRing the serial number, which is not really hard. But, you know, if you think about it, yeah. all you have to do to register your, your, your product is take a picture of the serial mm -hmm. number and message us on Facebook. Now you've got yeah, access to customer support, and that's not a hard app to build using that platform. Again, it's that... Yeah, and they, and they kind of already have it. When you me when you private message someone through a Facebook page, it essentially is a direct instant message to their business. It pops up as an instant message. So this is just making it so that there's now a Facebook messenger for business that they can carry on their phone around the store, you know, and they can interact with right. it that way. I, I think it's a great idea. Um, I just, you know, I don't personally see myself using it. I, I might see I'm more of a brick-and-mortar store or an online right. retailer using it. Hence the F-commerce. So. Yeah, this will shake out, yeah. and um, what will happen is if people start using it, more merchants will start offering it, and then more people will start using yes. it. So this is definitely one of those things where uh, there will be a natural network effect to it, where, yes, there's already an established base of people on Facebook. It's now, will people use Messenger as a commerce platform, and not just a little bit here and there, but for real. For, for reals, for yo. For reals. Speaking of getting for yes. reals and YOLO and all of that young stuff that I am no longer, um, Instagram. Here. How do you use Instagram to reach the millennials? We have this great article in the show that really From talks about props, it. Yeah. Um, gives you some very, very specific things. And I would say, you know, I was looking through this. And for me, a lot of it is very, you know, it's what I advise clients on every day. But, you know... The Absolutely. very first point they make, the yeah. keeping it real. I mean, that works. Some of my best Instagram moments have been not – they've been candid. Yeah. They've been the yeah. sort of funny things that just sort of happen. It's like, oh, look at this thing that happened here um, where I plan something. And it's yeah. like, oh, that's nice, nice little picture. Um, it's the unexpected that gets the best attention. Also, going behind the scenes, like a lot of these people like are very – you know, like if they're TV personalities, for example – they feel the need to be on point all the time. If you can do Instagram video for 15 seconds to show a little bit more of your, you know, your guard down and just having a good time, people like to see that stuff. People like to see bloopers and stuff like that. And always, always be relevant as well. Like, you know, if you're going to, you know, do Throwback Thursday, make sure it's actually a throwback. Yeah, throwing back know. to last week. Make is sure not a that. Throwback. No, I mean throwing back a year or more. You know. 
And then apparently this Man Crush Monday, I did not know MCM. I didn't never knew about that until this article. I always thought that was Michael Car- Carter Williams, but just messed up. Because yeah, he's MCW, true. but yeah. that's a whole... Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. And also cross-promote, you know, share with other people. I mean, I see a lot of cross-promotion on Instagram where people, re- they quote-unquote, regram each other's photos and say, hey, I fixed this up, you know, or... Some people edit each other's photos with right. with permission. Others just share the regram the photos and say, "Hey, check out this guy. He's really great." Hey, check out Her- Howard. Yeah, yeah whatever. Herman. I will tell you. <laughs> check and, out and, Howard. And this is really you know. good, but it all of these things they just make me still wish that Instagram allowed you to actually link to something. I had, yes, if Instagram yes, would yes, let me yes, link yes. to something and not the cheesy look at my bio for the link and then you're constantly changing the link in your bio, I would love it because, you know, it's such a great tool. There's really such great engagement, but there's no way to move that engagement anywhere but Instagram, which again, if you're Instagram, that's you want to keep it all there. I get it, but... but. It's not, you know, it only is as good as, you know, what you make it to be, so. Well, speaking of some people that make great stuff, let's check out Wistia.com, our first sponsor, sponsor Howard. Tell us about Wistia. Wistia Wistia is a video hosting and analytics platform. They help businesses get the most out of online video. Now, we have Wistia here at phillytech.org, which is, you know, many would consider much more professional than having YouTube ads or different kinds of things that way that just sort of look cheap sometimes. Um, You also get a lot of great data in terms of how people are watching our videos, where they're starting, where they're stopping. Really good stuff. And Wistia has a great community and a great set of resources to help people do a better job creating video content. These are tutorials on lights and editing and mics and you know things like simplify the background, put up a thing like I have back here as opposed to looking at what's going on behind me. Well, you know what? (laughs) Sometimes you can create a great set. Right now, the set that I have is a whole bunch of light stands and things and scrims and all kinds of mess, and that is not fun. But by learning about these kinds of things on Wistia, I'm able to really think, you know what? The video that goes out here, I care about it. I want it to be awesome. They want it to be awesome, too, because they want us to have a great product. Now, you can try Wistia for free because they have a free version of their service that gives you up to 50 videos on their site. It's a great thing to do. It's a good way to kind of see how everything works. Use it in your workflow uh, for some content that you're uh, creating, whether it's a podcast or a series of videos for your website. Go check them out. I want you to go to our show notes and click on the link because that's how they know that we sent you. It's a great product, great learning resources, um, and really nice people as well. And, And again, sometimes, you know, we of us in tech, you go to a website and you forget that there's like a team of people who built this. And those people could be like really nice. And you know what? The people at Wistia, it's a really nice bunch of people. So um, that's something where we want you to take advantage of this uh, offer that they put together with 50 videos. We get support. They get new customers. Check them out. Wistia and, uh, you know, link in our show notes. And back to the stuff. The show. The stuff. The technical term, stuff. Anyhow, 46% this is kind of shocking. Only 46% of internet users are aware of the new domain name extensions. So there's dot photography, there's dot click, there's dot XYZ, there's dot this, there's dot that, there's dot over there. You know, it's 
you know, I think they're fun. I think they're great. You know, I think it's, it makes things a little bit more organized, though disorganized at the same time. Like, Howard could have Howard.photography. Or Howard Universe photography as right. quickly goes and buys it real fast. No, but, but my point being is, like, I have one. That's, it's my, de- it's my dev- development server. It's devtest.click. I thought it was kind of cute, so I picked it up. But only 46% of Internet users are aware that there are more than .org, .net, and .com. And maybe .biz and maybe .co and .me, but these new ones that are not necessarily like country codes that are right. being repurposed, they're actually like photography. It's not short or it's not, it does not stand for the country, the country of photography. It stands well, for photography. Well, and to me, the really yeah. amazing stat in this article is that 88% of people would still rather buy a .com, a .net, or a .edu than any of these new ones you can't buy it. Yeah, it is, you can't write it again unless you're educational. But the idea but, yeah. is this. I would rather get yeah. a .com or a .net than anything else. And I think, you know, just a natural thing. It's the mom test for me. If I have to explain to mom, because I would say, it's okay, just go to like howardyarmish.photography. And she'd say, okay, .com? No, it's not howardyarmish.photography.com. It's just .photography. Well, how does that work? Oh. I also... You just type it just in. Type it I in. also think yeah. about the what are the defaults? Like if you're typing a name into a browser and you hit control enter to automatically add the .com, well, that default yeah. is a really it's a default for a reason. It's a convention that we all use. So mm-hmm. but we're running out, but we're running well, out of this convention. You know what? Some of the things that I think also need to happen as long as well as bringing in all these extra domain extensions, which I think over time people will become more and more acceptance of, is to look at the process of Domain, like domain registration to me should be more expensive than it is for no other reason than to get the squatters out of there. I've right. always felt that if you're a business getting a That's .com true. address that is the industry default for commerce, that, that domain, the .com domains mm-hmm. should be very expensive and should require actual use. And it's the same reason like if you get a patent and you don't defend it, it's hard to like get, do a patent claim. Or it's more of a, tra- it's more yeah, of a trademark. Idea, for a trademark. Trade, trade you trademark, don't you, you don't defend it. You don't then defend it. You, then it's, it's general domain. General domain well, yeah. if someone says, well, wait a second, this is my trademark, and someone is buying the .com on it, and they're not then trying to, like, they don't have a claim against it. They're just sitting on it. It's squatting. And those are the kinds of things where um, mm-hmm. the way that it's set up now, I don't see that that's necessarily going to change. But... I've always felt like, look, if you're a business and you can't afford your address, the same reason that people have phone numbers or they have an office, they have certain things in overhead that say you have a barrier to entry. Even phone numbers know, are free now, but too. It's so easy to say, hey, I'm a business. I've just put up a website. I bought a domain for 15 bucks. It's the kind of thing where that thing of credibility goes away and it makes the dot-coms um, it, it makes these other domains, in my opinion, actually a lot less uh, important because I'll, I'd rather just get something that's like Howard-Yermish-Fun.com as opposed to Howard-Yermish.Fun. Like I, you know, I'd, it's a lot easier to explain to someone the .com. Yeah, I mean, I had Goldstein.media for a while there just for cause this, for 34 right. hours. I, I, got, I got it. My wife's like, can you not renew that because you didn't use it for anything? I got it because I wanted Goldstein.media right. being, you know, my company name. But uh, that media, so, I mean, there's a media, I'm like, I bought it for a year. I decided, you know what, well, I don't need that. 
because goldstein.media, people don't forget to die. The thing is, when you think about this now, is if it's Howard Yermish photography, and it's Howard Yermish stock photography, people are not going to remember to do that, but then Google's going to know, right. oh, Howard Yermish photography. So it, 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 I can see how sometimes, I mean, that click, yeah. the XYZ, I mean, those I get, you know, it's like end of the alphabet, what about ABC? Yep. You know, DEF or something like that, like, you know. I mean, XYZ, I, I thought it was cute and funny, you know, it was, it was like I wanted it. It was one of the first ones yep. out, and, like, I bought one. And so you got to shorten, shorten with the no vowels, that yep. XYZ is a shortener. What are you going to do? I mean, I need another shortener, yeah. like, I need a hole in the head. I have more than I know. People who follow me are like, how many <laughs> shorteners do you use? I, I, you, I own, like, four or five shorteners. It's ridiculous. Anywho, how about this? Reporter... There's a report out there that says marketers are still struggling to measure social ROI. The main reason for this is that they're focusing on the wrong thing. You, yes, it's a return on investment, but it's a return on relationship. It's building that relationship that will turn into an yeah. investment. Ted Rubin, Ted, Ted Rubin is coined the, the, the term return on relationship, and I, I fully am a full supporter of it because you build the relationship, the investment will come. But it's about networking. Yeah. It's about meeting people. It's about putting out good content. And then eventually you will see the return on investment, but it's about the relationship. I, I agree with you. I think um, one of the challenges that internet marketing has always faced is we have the ability to measure so much. And because of that, we create this mountain of statistics that tell us every interaction or thing is important or not important or was ignored. or you know, some, I look at it this way. Someone goes to your website, they look at the homepage, and then they don't go anywhere. So we look at that metric as a bounce. Hey, they left. So we look at that typically as negative. But I can tell you the number of times that I will click on a link to someone's homepage and say, I'm going to look at this later. So I might mm -hmm. forget. That didn't mean that I didn't put it in my brain. This is a positive experience. If all you do is look at it as a bounce, Absolutely. you're going to think, hey, my stuff on social is creating all these bounced visitors. That must not be worth it you might not be actually getting into the heads of your consumer. We have this data that sometimes lies to us because we've got so much of it. And Absolutely. again, I've always said, what you have to do is you have to look at sustained effort and then look at the result, which is yes. the sale or the goal or whatever you're trying to do. Stop looking at micro details. Look at that because you're trying to nuance a particular thing, not because you're trying to make a big decision. And, um, you know, you know, frankly, they're like, well, it's hard to measure, measure social ROI. Okay, well, would you tell all of your sales professionals to stop visiting their customers? If you had a sales force that regularly went and visited customers and showed up at their door and said, hey, and maybe brought them donuts or a cup of coffee and made a phone call, would you tell them to stop that? And the answer is, I would never do that. Okay, social is more yeah. like that, except that most businesses, not most, but many businesses do it wrong. They think social is about media, it's about broadcast, and it's not about the network, which is the relationship. So, you know, to really, you know, to put Absolutely. that in, we have to look at what are the relationships that are being forged, and are they turning into customers? So it could be that Absolutely. what we need to measure is the cost of the relationship and not the cost of the click. Absolutely, I totally agree. Obviously, I totally agree. Yeah. So this thing, Minor details. Every five seconds, but yes. Absolutely, yes. So, 
another great place, you know, where they have a great relationship with us, and we love them, is Flywheel. What Tell is us Flywheel, about Flywheel Howard. you may ask. Well, Flywheel is actually managed WordPress hosting. Now, if you don't know what hosting is, think about hosting as the computers, the servers, the things in the background that make a website appear. Now, there are lots of ways that you can get servers. You can do shared servers, you can do dedicated servers, and what's becoming more and more popular, because WordPress is about 25% of the market of websites on the internet, um, that you need a hosting platform dedicated to WordPress that's tuned for that. That's what Flywheel is. Its platform is built specifically for designers, creative agencies, web developers to build their websites, launch websites, and manage websites on WordPress. And they have a great dashboard that they built from the ground Absolutely. up. It is designed for web developers. These have nightly backups, fast load, as well as security for WordPress. They also, this is the, one of the things that if you've ever worked with a hosting company and you talk to their tech support, the moment you say to them, hey, I'm running this on this site, they say, well, we don't support that, but we're looking at your server log and it looks like something's causing a memory problem. And you go, great, now I've got to go find it. When you talk to the folks at Flywheel, they're WordPress developers. They go and say, they oh, this plugin you. needs this tweak, and then we set this thing here, and then everything will be fine because their job is to know WordPress inside and out because they are managed WordPress hosting. They help designers all the time launch WordPress projects every day. They help us by sponsoring us as well as we are hosted on – we're hosted there. Hosted so we're hosted it's there. pretty, pretty great. Yeah. So what I want you to do is I want you to go to our show notes page, click on the link for Flywheel, and give it a try. Um, it's a way of helping to support the show as well as letting them know that we sent you. So that is Flywheel. Absolutely. And then I get Flywheel.com. Not Flywheel. That's yep. taxi service out in San Francisco. GetFlywheel.com. Also, so Twitter makes your conversations easier to follow. Now, they've been trying this for a while with the lines between people and trying to make it, you know, make sense. But one of the neat features I've seen on Android for a while, especially in Falcon Pro 3, is that when you click on a tweet, it opens it up, and down below you see that the whole replies. Twitter either stole this from them or was developing or saw it as a good idea and said, oh, we're going to integrate that. Essentially what it is, when you go to a actual tweet, down below you will see the thread comments below that have to the result that go with the tweet, which I think is kind of neat because now you have a nice little package. Here's the tweet. Here are the comments below it, and here's a package. Here's a URL, a direct link, a direct, a permalink. I think to it's great. I actually noticed this about a week and a half ago. I noticed it because instead of being able to use my general Twitter app, I had a fried video card, so I was all of a sudden working off of just a browser. Just you know, basically, I was not. I had. My, I didn't have my workstation for. A little over a week. It was devastating, but it meant all of a sudden I'm using not my standard machine that doesn't have all my tools, so I'm relying on the browser. So I started going to Twitter just to the Twitter site, not using my TweetBot, which I use on the Mac, which is really, really great. And first couple of days it was fine. And then I noticed, hey, some of these interactions I'm having, they're coming up as little conversations. I thought it was awesome. And I looked and it hadn't been announced yet. And I was like, they must be trying something and I must be seeing it. And so then when I saw this announcement, I was like, well, I thought it was awesome last week. It actually, it actually made more me awesome kind now. of want to start using the main Twitter site, kind of. Kind There's certain of. efficiencies that I of. get out of TweetBot that I really, really uh -huh. like. But I'll tell you, or TweetDeck, but or I'll tell TweetDeck. you, yeah. uh, seeing those conversations, I now have a Twitter tab open so that the moment I start seeing some interaction, I jump over to Twitter 
because it allows me to keep track of what's been said and who's interacting. When I'm just posting things and doing some research, I still use TweetBot, but now I'm using both sides of the coin. And, you know, that's pretty great. Absolutely. Something else that Twitter is doing or assisting in is not so great. Yeah, yes. Oh, that's actually a pretty good segue, if I don't say so myself. Tap, tap. I, love how, I love how ever nowadays on podcasts, yeah, someone does a good nice, segue, they have nice to segue. pause. Ruin the, ruin the segue. They, they then ruin the segue, and they pat themselves on the back, and yes. then they continue the story after they broke the segue. Anyhow, they don't, yeah, so I broke the segue. But anyhow, speaking of bad things that Twitter Speaking of things that Twitter does that isn't that great, the anti-vaxxers, anti-vaccine people around the web are using Twitter to this, manipulate a vaccine well, bill. Yeah, think about what is this all about. about? This is What's story. happening is there's some legislation that's going on, and the anti-vaxxers are basically launching a social media campaign in order to get the attention of the legislators. So what's happening is a very small percentage of people are getting involved and getting a very unpopular message or a small message and making it seem very, very big. Now, if you don't put this as anti-vaxxers and all you say is we're giving the little, the little voice a chance to be heard, I would argue for days. You should ask. This is absolutely wonderful. That's what social does. That allows the oppressed or the unheard to get heard. The challenge is the people hearing it because it is gaining, well, I don't want to say popularity, but because it's gaining attention, the legislators are starting to feel like, hey, this small percentage of people are actually bigger than they are because it looks loud to them because the people that aren't getting engaged, which are the people who are just like, those guys are lunatics, are not creating a voice that is a counter-marketing campaign using Twitter to say, no, the 95% who are going to support, you know, who don't, you know, support this thing, we're just not organized yet. This is always one of those things that um, when it's in your favor, you go, yay, social media. But when it's against the thing that you all know and you're saying, look, we shouldn't have to create a campaign that says, hey, the vaccines have done things like cure diseases and prevent these outbreaks, that we're going to just stop doing that because we don't need to with that anymore. Um, uh, those are the kinds of things where we just go, oh, this damn social... But, you know what? This is one of those things where it sucks, but the platform is there to do it. And the fact that there's 95% of the audience there that is being lazy, they could have a voice too. And the hope is that people say, hey, wait a second, let's get some attention to the other side. And, you know, hopefully the people hearing it will go, geez, this looks like just a very, very loud minority. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And also, let's move on to the next story. This is interesting. It's entitled, Mark Zuckerberg, Let Me Pay for Facebook. Now, it's not Mark Zuckerberg saying, let me pay for Facebook. It's saying, people saying, can we stop being sheep? And can, you know, I'll pay for Facebook. This is actually something. Act like sheep. Yeah, this is actually and something that I've advocated the, for a very, product. very long time with this social networks. And that is, there is a cost to using a free service. And what I would like to do is say, look, all of my friends and family are on Facebook. I want to be part of that. I don't want to leave it. But I would like to have the chance to say, I don't want to be your product. I want to pay for the product that is access to the community versus being the product by being in the community. And 
I, I can tell you, you know, if they've if Facebook has calculated that a user is about tw is a, is worth about twenty cents a month, I would be willing to pay a dollar. $10 a year. Look, if they said it's $50 a year for an ad-free experience, I'd pay it. It's very valuable. I, I use it all the time. It connects Absolutely, me with friends yeah. and family. It connects me with other business people. It's valuable to me. I wish that it, I, I had a choice of how I paid for it. And right now, the only choice I have is locking down my privacy as much as possible, but still Facebook has access to data. Mm -hmm. And they're going to sell it and use it in ways that I don't necessarily like, but that is the cost of admission. It is their ride. I recognize that. I wish that they had a product that I could buy that said, here is our mm -hmm. non-privacy stealing version. Yeah. But even LinkedIn, I paid yes. for LinkedIn. Well, you know what the funny thing is? I don't have a problem with that. Yes. I have a problem with what is being done with my data that I don't know about. So... Absolutely, yeah. I mean, ads, ads if they're targeted. Like, I don't really have a problem with Google ads. A lot of the, and I do kind of creep me out when they follow me across the web. Like, you know, iConnection follows me across the web. I'm like, dude, stop. But I don't mind. So you'll Rome love this. And this is about, um, like is this is how you know how creepy things can get. I took a picture of a microphone that I was selling on eBay. This was part of my, I wanted to buy myself a little camera. And I needed to, I, and I needed to eBay stuff to get there. Oh, that's probably, and probably your last thing, yeah. That picture of that microphone has been following me on for, for weeks saying, hey, do you want to buy this? I saw you looking at this on eBay. And I'm like, dude, it's my product. I sold it. Stop advertising it for I'm me. I'm selling and that on using eBay. using my picture. Yeah. The, the list oh, it's, 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 it's dead. So it's dead already. Been following it's, it's still following oh, me around. I still great. see it a couple of times. I'm like, okay, there's my microphone again. That's great. Um, and because it was my... Well... But those are the, that, those are the kinds of things where the ads that follow you around, and I see that ad on Facebook, I see that ad on Google, I see that ad on other sites. It's like, okay, the folks at eBay are spending a lot of money to follow me around, so here's who they have deals with my own stuff. Um, now With my own ad. That's, that's great. That but again, really, those are the kinds really, of things where really, if really I could bizarre. pay to have some privacy – to have something to say, well, ah, it is, it. and frankly, um, I look at it this way. The government is already stealing <laughs> and sucking up our data from whether they're getting it locally or from abroad or however they're doing it, and I'm not okay with it. It's just that's the reality of the internet. That's just what they're going to do. I'd like it if at least the main mm, companies could say, hey, we get that you don't want to see this activity happening, that you want to block this out. And we make money from that. So here's the trade-off. If you want to, if you would rather pay than get these, you know, than have your data sold all over the place, here's what it will cost. And I am perfectly content to overpay for it. So if they make 20 cents on me per month, I'll pay a dollar or I'll pay $5. Let me make that choice. Because you know what? Most people won't. Absolutely. Most people will say, I don't want to pay $10 for Facebook. I'll just do whatever. But at least you'll have the option to say, There should be an option. There should absolutely should be an option. So another option to Google to Google and, the, and these big boys out there. Well, is I want to thank Zoho Mail. Zoho and Mail. I don't want to just thank Zoho them Mail for helping Howard. us um, by being a sponsor of our uh, network here, but I also want to thank them for providing an option for professional email that is not 
So, again, if you're a small business, if you're under 10 people, Zoho Mail has a free ad account. Yes, free. Up to 10 users. Oh, oh, oh. Now, if well, you have free. 10 people on Google Apps, wow. if you do Google Apps for Business, which has your domain, 10 people will cost you um, 50 – what is it? Uh, it's $5 per user. It's five, $5 right. a month so this will be, per user per month or $50 per user per year. Right, if you do it per year. So for 10 you users, you'd be looking at a $500 cost year, for your email. Where with Zoho Mail, 10 users and under is a free account. And again, with if you just use Gmail, you're getting ads all the time and they're harvesting your data and they're looking at your email and all that stuff. With Zoho Mail, it is business class features, business class security, and it is also no ads. So... It's you know designed for the web and for mobile, all in sync. So imagine having all the great features of Gmail, except without the ads, maintaining your privacy. And again, you know this is this is a really really great service. Um, in addition to Zoho Mail, Zoho has a whole lot of other products designed for businesses. Just a great great stack of uh, of products. Um, what I want you to do is go to our show notes and click on the link there, so they know that we sent you. And seriously, give them a try. This is something where. You can set up your email, move things over there. It's pretty great, uh, especially if you're a small business trying to bootstrap it. Here's a great alternative. Absolutely. So, so that's what exactly. bootstrap. And we and we use them because we're bootstrapping. Picks. So. so anyhow, let's move on to the picks of the week. <laughs> My pick of the week just recently changed. I was going to do full contact, which is a kind of system, but I wrote, I did what it a, a little while system? ago. It's this one's a great suspender. It's not. The Great Suspender is, an, is a Chrome app that will automatically suspend tabs you're not, that you don't want to close, but you don't, are not using right away. You can set, you can set a threshold for like every 15 cool. minutes of what tabs you're not using it, they go to sleep. And, and this, that way now, it makes Chrome less, also, but, yeah, uh, less Google, of a bear Google on I/O, They did announce that they're going to start um, in upcoming software, they're going to pause Flash in non-active tabs. Well, they should just blow up Flash, but until they blow up Flash, flash. that's a step. But what it looks like the Great Suspender does is it even goes a step (laughs) further. It's not just Flash that it's going to suspend. It's all the things. It's sort of like if you're not looking at it, we're not giving it any attention. It's just on the whole page. Which, in all honesty, that's kind of what I want. I don't want it working in the background. I want it. Yeah. That's awesome. And it's for Firefox, and it's for Chrome, and and it may eventually be for Edge slash Spartan, too. So it's, it's going to be neat. I mean, because Chrome is one of those things that, like, oh, we're going to make every yeah. single thing you possibly exactly. do on Chrome its own process. Yeah. The only problem is they don't label those processes, so you don't know what to turn off when they're wasting stuff. So you hit the wrong one, everything shuts down on you. So it's a little imperfect. So this kind of makes it so awesome. you can keep 30, 40 tabs up and not have them take up any room. Perfect. So MailChimp. We love MailChimp. And we use them here, fully tech. They're not sponsored, All right, but we so do use them. What one is of the things that I think email marketing power? needs to do is email marketing needs to be easy for people to, uh, for lack of a term, not just make email, but actually use it as a business tool. So, for example, if you just set up an email and it automatically goes out and you're just not even thinking about it, that's I always call that blasting. And people don't like to be blasted at. That's They duck for cover. It's kind of like internet shrapnel. So your goal with email marketing is to really personalize the experience. But at the same time, if you have 1,000, 2,000, 5,000 people on your list, it is hard to do some personalization. So one of the things that, one of the things that MailChimp does in their automation tools is you kind of create these business rules 
based on something. So for example, you could have a very simple rule that does the following, and, the re and I'll give you the case study. I have a free course that people can, uh, can watch that is on your LinkedIn profile. But I also use MailChimp's automation so that a day after they've enrolled in the course, I send them a little, hey, thanks for enrolling, and I hope you like it, and let me know if you have any questions email. And it's personalized. It's a very simple message that goes to them. I also send them another email about a week later that is, again, part of this automation that, hey, a week after they've started the course, I'm going to send them a message that says, hey, here's some things that you should be acting on. Don't forget about this to really to reinforce what's in that course to give them a better learning experience. And it keeps me on top of mind. The last thing I and do is in, in after the they've well. um, taken the course, the, there's also a, hey, it's been a couple weeks since you've taken the course. Please take this survey. I want some feedback. So there's a couple of things that I don't, like, I'm not going to remember, hey, uh, send a feedback survey to everybody who's been in the course uh, from the last couple of months. That's an email that I'm not going to send out. It simplifies it. It, no. it, not only it, does it make it, it look personalized, I've personalized the email. Now there's automation behind it, but there are simpler emails than my general email marketing. It's more transactional, but it's designed as a way to say, hey, you've, you know, you, you like the course, tell me if I could fix it. What can I do better? What, what, what would you change? What's good? What's bad? I want that feedback. I don't want to forget to do it. So that kind of automation can be used in all kinds of things. What I really like is the way you can set time delays. You can not only you can do things like say, hey, Absolutely. don't send this email until this person has opened it up plus a few days. So it's not just since the last send. You can do some very specific things yes. to do it. And you can also do some workflows based on an interaction. Um, you can do workflows based on not interaction. So if someone hasn't, like, I'm only going to send this if someone didn't open the last campaign. Like, hey, you didn't open the last campaign. Are you still interested in getting stuff? you might use it as a re-engagement tool. So there's a lot of things you can use automation for, and it's awesome. And the thing I like about it is, you don't have to be a web guy to figure it's out awesome. what this does. You can just be a normal person doing email marketing and figure out ah, its workflow right steps. It's pretty great. That's one of the things I love about MailChimp automation. They do. And they have a cute mascot too, so. The old chimp, so. Anywho, that's our show this week. Please feel free to contact us. If you yeah. want to get in touch with us, we want to hear from you. I said that two different ways very weirdly. Anyhow, email us at info at phillytech.org. That's info at phillytech.org. Not .co, .org. Right. .co is another thing I'm doing, but .org is what we're talking about here. Tweet us at phillytech underscore org or call us at 908-758-3248. And please let us know what the hell that means. No one has ever come back to us and said, that stands for fully tech. I'm sure it does in some way. But, you know, whatever. 908-758-3248. Yep. I'll Take see care, you everybody. next week with